Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Les Jensen. He is the founder of New Human Living, host of the New Human Living Radio Show, speaker, energy master, visionary, and the author of the critically acclaimed Citizen King, The New Age of Power. Les and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, spiritual mission, and his latest book, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Good morning, Les. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your show. Fantastic. It is wonderful to have you with me. Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior is a very empowering read. I'm excited to learn more about how we can all facilitate in the salvation of humanity. So congratulations on this release. Well, thank you. It was quite a work in progress, and I'm so glad I've, I've gotten it published. Fantastic. I love the book. It reminded me about a history book that I need to read and sort of uh, absorb it in the sense of we take a lot of things for granted in life. So I'm really, really excited. I love history, and this is beautifully written. From that standpoint of view, so I'm very excited about that. So let's get started in getting to know you a little bit better. Please kind of give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Well, I was born young. I think we all were. And uh, <laughs> I was born in a small town in Utah in a very uh, strict or staunch Mormon household. I was the last of seven kids. And uh, I it was kind of odd. Um, in a way, it was kind of like a Twilight Zone episode where I lived in a town where everybody drank the same Kool-Aid. Everybody had mm-hmm. the same opinion. They had the same beliefs. I could talk to the postman. I could talk to the teacher. I could talk to the butcher at the supermarket. And they'd all give me the same answers because Mormonism was by far a, a very high percentage of the town population. And being the last of seven kids gave me an immense amount of freedom. By the time the seventh kid came along, mom and dad were done with raising kids. <laughs> and they would say, does anybody see less? Does anybody just see him? And if any of my siblings said yes, that was it. They never asked what I was doing. or And that gave me immense freedom to be as curious and inquisitive and thoughtful on my own accord without any discipline structure. And um, I think that curiosity has served me well because I really don't have a formal education outside of high school. Mm -hmm. And I, I went into broadcast television 
And I think my soul chose that path to put me in front of high-powered television transmitters. Uh, mm-hmm. These are very high power, like a million watt uh, transmitter services, and that that had me contemplate the nature of what is power. I mean, what what's the difference between no power and immense amount of power? And still, at that point in my life, I hadn't been on a quote spiritual journey or spiritual awakening, and then. When I was around 35, I had an episode that changed my life, and and it it opened me up to a much bigger life path where I'm a radio host, I'm an author, I I, I envision heaven on earth and what that would look like, and and I like to talk about the the power of ourselves, the power of human mm-hmm, consciousness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that gives you the snapshot you're looking for. <laughs> Certainly it does. I mean, I could certainly understand where you were growing up in the situation where, in a way, it's good because it's protective. Everyone thinks alike, and there's a tremendous amount of uniformity, so to speak. But yet, in some ways, it lacks flavor, I guess. Your curiosity led you to find out about things. One of the things in the book that you talk about is invisible power, your first experience about being zapped. So tell us a little bit more about that, because I think that was the first sort of like, in a way, kind of kick off the new you, so to speak, of wanting to find out about things. So you want me to talk about when I got zapped? Uh, yes. Well, the, <laughs> it cleaned like clock. I tell you what, it, electricity doesn't give a rat's ass if you're ready for it or not. Um, Back in the day, I don't want to sound like an old fart, but back in the day, um, the the radios and whatnot were, were tubes. Transistors hadn't been invented mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And the speakers were called electrodynamic speakers. Modern speakers have permanent magnets, but the old speakers had electromagnets. And what I didn't know as a young kid was they gave those electromagnets a lot of volts. And so I'm, mm-hmm. my dad gave me a radio, I put it on the couch, I turn it on, and I'm trying to twist the wires together. The speakers had four wires for each speaker, not like today where it's just two wires. So I'm, I'm grabbing the wires and I'm twisting them, and I grab two of the wires and kapowie, it knocked me on my can. I flew backwards across the room and landed on my back uh, uh, without my approval. The electricity just totally dictated what was going to happen in that moment. And I'm like, what the crud is going on? And I went back and measured it, and it was 350 volts. So it really kind of woke me up to this idea that just because it looks normal doesn't mean there's not power there. There's this invisible substance, if you will, this this Mm -hmm. thing called electricity is intangible until you touch it. It's intangible, but yet it's very powerful. I like that story because maybe to some it sounds simple and silly, but I think it does a lot in reading your book and noticing that that sort of like it sparks a lot of things because in your book you use words like sparks, divine sparks. I thought that was interesting. You talked about invisible powers and so forth. So that leads me to the question on what life's epiphany led you to experience sort of a spiritual awakening. Well, you know, we we were just talking about power Mm -hmm. and the intangible aspect of it. 
human consciousness is very much like electricity. There's an immense amount of power to it. But Mm -hmm. um, the epiphany that kind of woke me up happened when I was 35. I was... Mm -hmm. I was struggling with my life in a sense of personal relationships. I was starting to uh, develop ulcers. Um, um, Life was a challenge, and I ended up on a psychiatrist's couch. And after a couple of years of uh, sessions, there was a particular session that totally turned my life on its head. The psychiatrist is talking to me, and he says, well, Les, uh, when are we going to talk about anger? I'm like, bah, phew, mm-hmm. that's so silly. What do you mean anger? I don't get angry. And he, he persisted, and I'm very thankful he did. He put his hand out, and he said, come on, push on my hand. Show me your anger. And I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. And I pushed on his hand, and really not much happened. Then he kind of got up in my face, and he said, look, look, Les, this is a safe place. It's okay to show anger here. It's going to be okay. You can show anger here. In fact, I would like to see your anger. Would you show me your anger? And I tell you what, some, some in that moment, <laughs> some valve, some valve in my psyche opened up. And just like turning on a high-powered transmitter, this immense amount of energy starts flowing out of my being. I'm just sitting there in this, it's like this volcano of energy is rising up out of me, and I'm like, what the crud is this? And I remember kind of doing a reality check in the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, who are you? Who is, what is, what's happening here? And the, the energy was real indifferent. It's like, I don't know, do, think of me whatever you will. I'm leaving. See ya. <laughs> and, and what it was was suppressed anger. And I mm-hmm. had, the thing that blew my mind is I had no idea in my conscious mind that I was carrying around this super high charge of anger. It was not in my awareness. And in that moment, as, as an inquisitive kid, I'm like, wait a minute, wait, time out, what the hell? What was that? Where did it come from? Why was it there? And is there more in there? And that started mm-hmm. me looking at my consciousness, my personal energy persona, if you will, with a much more discerning eye. And that was over 20 years ago. So that event started me on, on my path to, to create the material that I've created up to this point. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. I guess that's where you started going back inwards within you, and you talk about breaking yourself wide open. Tell us a little bit about that, how you sort of declutter your life. And also what's interesting about this is that there's a difference between frustration and anger. Oh, sure. Well, it opened me up like a bug hitting a windshield in in the sense that when I release so much energy in that moment, Something changed, and I noticed it quite quickly that it um, it's kind of hard to describe, but the way I was sensing my environment changed in, in the sense that the room looked different. the Everything looked different, very subtle, but quite distinctively different. And so through um, meditation and through um, some very early practices, I, I searched my consciousness 
for more energetic events that I could release. And I found a lot of them. I found all kinds of stuff in my psyche. And I found belief systems, mental um, structures or lattices of a static idea of the nature of consciousness. And over time, I, I kept up the practice of looking within, and I still do it today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just found so much incongruency in myself. And the more I released, the better I got. My ulcer symptoms went away. And I had more energy as I went throughout my day. Do you find that frustration is more of an internal issue, which eventually, like I say, it's like a balloon that sort of expanded, expanded, and that leads to an external expression of anger? Sure. Well, anger by itself is a secondary emotion. You're angry about Mm -hmm. some other emotion. Um, Frustration, perhaps, is an expectation for the universe to show up in a particular way and and talk about folly. (laughs) (laughs) The, The universe is the most pliable construct known to man, perhaps. Um, the I think the anger uh, was set in place in my family of origin. My dad was a World War II vet. Mm-hmm. And when he'd get mad, he'd cut you in half with his eyes. He was a fierce, ferocious <laughs> personality. And I think as a young child, I learned that, boy, when this anger feeling gets stirred up in the family dynamic, everybody becomes afraid. And I don't want to be the source of fear in my mom and my siblings. I don't want to be the one to elicit an anger incident in my family dynamic. So as a very, very young child, I decided whenever that feeling comes up in me, I'm just going to stuff it. I'm just going to push it down. And fast forward several decades, I had an immense charge of unresolved anger in my personal energy persona. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Why did you create New Human Living in 2009? Um, Compassion for humanity. Um, I had clicked off several decades of self-reflection, self-release, self-healing, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it totally changed my experience with, with the idea of who I am, why I'm here, the meaning of life, if you will. If you look at the title, New Human Living, there's no posture or construct in that. It's it's an inert title, and that's very intentional. In the book, I talk about purity a lot and the, mm-hmm. the purity of language. New Human Living is a platform to help people wherever they are decide whatever they want to decide. It's more of a a school of understanding the mechanics of our human consciousness so we can live a more fulfilling life in the way that we choose. I don't want to tell you what to think or how to feel. That's not my place. You won't be authentic if I tell you, but I can point to human consciousness and say, well, boy, howdy, if you push your emotions in your subconscious (laughs) at some time down the road, they're going to turn around and push you around. And and kind of describe the mechanics, if you will, mm-hmm. of how we can get stuck. Very interesting. How are you being received at the time 
in your neck of the woods, so to speak? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, the uh, it, it's quite funny because um, my soul put me in front of really big-ass television transmitters, very, very, very high power. And then I look at my own consciousness and I realize I'm a personification of that mm-hmm. divine spark, which mm-hmm. is very, very high power. I mm-hmm. mean, the saviors, the mystics that went before us would perform, quote, miracles from their own intentions. But if I language power straight out and say, you are a powerful being, you have power in you beyond your imagination, people kind of de-res, their eyes go fuzzy and they quit listening. (laughs) But if I take one step sideways, one step to the left or the right, and, and point to it through a curiosity and say, huh, look at that, would you look at that, people are much more receptive. So what I'm really trying to communicate with people is their divinity. We are the fabric of divine consciousness, and inherent in every single human being is that divine spark. And if you know how to nurture it and grow it, you can awaken power in you without end. A never-ending story, really. So true. Was it a Matt Rush sprint? you to get to this point of enlightenment or was it a slow marathon a slow marathon it it's a curious thing it's kind of like a teeter-totter in that (laughs) when when you start out um the weight distribution's way off and and perhaps you're stuck in the struggle end the seeking Mm -hmm. end the unknowing end and occasionally the the teeter-totter will tip into the um, feeling of bliss, the feeling of understanding. Maybe you go to a workshop and, and, and they energize and empower you and you feel great. And then you go home and you get a phone call and there's an emotional trigger and you drop back into the other side of the teeter-totter. But as you release and cleanse the, the triggers, the emotional constructs in your persona, um, you turn the tide, and, and after some effort, the teeter-totter will be more naturally tilted towards the truth of you, mm-hmm. the, the divinity of you, your, your own personal sovereignty, if you will. It's, um, the, the principles of the universe don't change. It's like gravity didn't change when we learned how to walk. We became compatible with gravity. So the the power inherent in your consciousness are are really following a, the same kind of construct as gravity. Power is very impersonal, but it will sit there idle in your persona until you understand it and awaken it and embody it. So pretty much you went in to come out. Sure. Well... The kingdom of heaven is within. Our, the, the truest mm-hmm. aspect of reality is nothing outside of us, but the divinity within us. Very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Les Jensen. 
He is the founder of New Human Living, host of the New Human Living radio show, speaker, energy master, visionary, and the author of the critically acclaimed Citizen King, The New Age of Power. Les and I are having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, spiritual mission, and his latest book, Forgiven Sinner, God's Latest Savior. Les, coming back to what you talk about, the kingdom of heaven, how is kingdom of heaven heart-driven? The heart has a wisdom. The heart has an understanding, if you will, of the mechanics of life. Um, a brave heart will transcend the vision of an ego, of a mind. The, w- when we look at our human persona, we have this thing called a body, and we have organs, and we, and we have a, a mental construct, an idea of ourselves, which we might call the ego. But, you know, mm-hmm. when we were born, none of us had an ego, none of us. And and it's like we shuffled our feet on the carpet and developed a static charge, if you will. Our ego is something we created out of thin air. Our family dynamics told us about symbols, words, language. And more importantly, they taught us about the value of particular symbols. But the heart understands the universe without symbols, where the ego has to have symbols to create a, a construct of understanding, the heart does not need that. The intangible aspect of our infinite potential has no symbols inherent in it. So our heart can understand that indeed, from our consciousness, we can create anything we desire mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. the construct of what our ego understands. And so... The kingdom of heaven is is your own freedom. It's your own truth. It's genuinely knowing the truth of who you are. Heaven is intended to be experienced now, this now, mm-hmm. today now. It's not a future goal. You can live in heaven every single day of your life. And that's the idea of, quote, Finding salvation, unquote, is to discover heaven within you, and your heart knows it intuitively, and your ego can only point to it with a stick. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. It is true. What led you to write Forgiven Sinners? I saw a real um, disconnect with what um, we were being told was going to save humanity. Um, the idea that there's this big-ass God somewhere, and if we say a few billion prayers, at some point he'll get off his fanny and reach over our shoulder and straighten out our human suffering and our human struggle. This idea that if we pray to God, God, this external God, is this ominous, powerful being, but if you look at our mythology, 0.0 times did a glowing orb come down from the sky and silence the guns during our decades and centuries of war. Zero times did a a divinity, a a God with a capital G, reach over our shoulders and wipe our struggles away. Every single time we've overcome our struggles, it's 
it's through the vehicle of flesh and bones. It's through people that change the human condition. And so what we were being taught didn't have any traction. It didn't have any horsepower after decades decades of watching humanity, we were still spending trillions of dollars on war. We were still having human trafficking, suffering on so many levels. It wasn't changing. It wasn't getting better. And so I wrote Forgiven Sinner to to kind of erase that idea that some big-ass God's going to show up and kick hell's ass all the way off the, mm-hmm. off the planet. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen that way. Very, very interesting. To some, that's inconceivable because we all are looking for that special hero to come into our life. In many ways, when you talk about religions and philosophical beliefs, right up to this moment in time, we have had so many saviors that had come into the various religions, and obviously they're gone, and we're still suffering, right? So right. what you say is correct. So is the mission in a way incomplete or we just expect too much? Well, I think the saviors were brilliant. They were, I mean, um, in my dynamic, Jesus Christ, oh my God, what a powerful persona. What a Mm -hmm. powerful, quote, savior. But he himself said, what the hell are you doing? Come on, belly up to the bar. You're going to do miracles and all the crap I'm doing. Get to it. He was trying to empower us. He was trying mm-hmm. to say, you guys are the vehicle of your own transformation. You'll do everything I will do and more. But who in the religious construct sees themselves as the one performing miracles, as the one healing the sick? I mean, a lot of religions would persecute healers mm-hmm. as some kind of a a blasphemy of declaring and owning their own divine potential. So the, the, the mythology has been broken for a very long time. That's true. That's true. Are we to put aside their teachings in some ways, or are we just not hearing what he's saying? The way it's spoon-fed to us um, is is p- part of the problem. The if you go worship in Christian religions, and I don't want to stereotype all of them, sure, but sure. the vast yeah, majority right. of them is surrender your life to Jesus. Um, Jesus wants to run your life. Sit on your fanny and wait till you get a call from Jesus, and then he's going to tell you what to do. Well, that mm-hmm. that flies in the face of free agency. That flies mm-hmm. in the face of it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom in that you are the creator. You are the personification of the divine. So the language of religion totally sidesteps what's front and center in what the Savior was teaching us. I, I, Jesus, am performing miracles, and so will you. So do you expect, as a listener right now, do you expect to perform miracles in this lifetime of yours? Is that a yes or a no or a maybe or a I don't know? But mm-hmm. that's the message the saviors were teaching us, but who of us have even thought of 
ourselves as the vehicle of change for humanity. I think the brave ones do, though, because you do have different personalities out there. You have someone who has a natural take-charge attitude. In society, you have leaders and followers, unfortunately. And so, like the old saying goes, there's not enough Indians and you have so many chiefs, (laughs) for lack of a better term. To a certain point, I agree with exactly what you're talking about. So the question is, how do we ourselves flip from that standpoint of view? And one of the things I got in reading your book is that these saviors are teachers. Again, I say that respectfully, not trying to take away from any form of sort of a divinity that comes with that. But if we want to break it down from just the regular Joe out here, I go to school every day and I hear the teacher telling me how to do certain things and how to solve certain things. And if I just go home, uh-huh, yeah, great, wonderful, close the textbook and just barely did my homework, that's it. If I don't apply the knowledge, then whose fault is it? Is it the teacher or the student? Right. Indeed. It's uh, And for me, what really kind of brought light to this was that mm-hmm. episode, that episode of of finding so much unresolved uh, karma, if you will, that I yeah. pushed in my subconscious. You know, if you, like electricity is so intangible, you can't see it, sure you can touch it and it becomes quite tangible, but... <laughs> but but that invisible nature. So if we look at human consciousness, and if we want to quantify hu- human consciousness as a vehicle of power, mm-hmm. even though it's intangible, it would serve us to to create an imaginary scale. If, for example, I, you might be in a room, so you can imagine the wall as being the scale of human consciousness. And at the very bottom is death. It's the edge of life. You drive up to the street corner and the, and the war veterans who has PTSD, he's trying to get through the minute. He's trying mm-hmm. to survive this minute. And if a bus goes by, it'll rattle his cage. It'll take him 20 minutes. To, if he gets a cold tonight, he'll die. He's running mm-hmm. on fumes because his subconscious is loaded up with trauma, unresolved trauma. So if we use this imaginary scale and we go up to the top of the wall and we think of the wall as this logarithmic scale of power of human consciousness, and at the top, well, hell, there's Jesus. Good golly, he waves his hand and fish shows up to feed the masses. He, mm-hmm. he, he throws out an intention and he heals people. When I, when I had that release, I changed mm-hmm. where I was on the wall. I change my interaction with this vehicle of consciousness that I am. And the more I purified my consciousness, the universe responded to me differently. And I suggest to you that's what Jesus was talking about. You mm-hmm. know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They'll, they'll see the mechanism of consciousness and be a master of it, if that makes sense. Sure, sure it does. Why is forgiveness important in the salvation of humanity? Forgiveness is this notion that we've done something wrong. The the storyline here on planet Earth has been very brutal. We've had just century after century of war. And many of um, 
Many people have died at the hand of another human being. And when we look at the vehicle of, quote, sin, unquote, and we see ourselves of, of being guilty of sin, if we're guilty, we don't deserve. By the very nature, if you're guilty, you've lost mm-hmm. your rights. You've lost your privileges, your entitlements. And yet our souls, our souls collectively chose as a planet mm-hmm. to go to the very edge of darkness. Our souls chose to go so far into darkness that we went to the very edge of death. And so we intentionally chose war. We intentionally chose deceit, suffering as part of our human story. We chose to go to the very edge of darkness, and now, collectively, as souls, we've chosen to return to the light. So every single time a soul incarnated on earth as a human being, it knew the paradigm of being a soldier, being killed in war, being killed by dis-ease. And we chose to play out all these paradigms to load up our psyche. How could we even play out the archetype of a slave or a beggar unless we totally, totally lost the sense of self, of how powerful we are? We had to disconnect from the truth of who we are so we could play out these these extremely low vibrational archetypes. Mm-hmm. And from that darkness, I tell you what, planet Earth is, I suggest, the most advanced classroom, perhaps, of karma of anywhere in the galaxy. Because if Mm -hmm. you can find the spark of love in your being, in the darkness of the karma that's being played out on this planet, you are a master soul in in a very challenging human situation. We, we created the master class of being able to discover unconditional love in ourselves by hiding it everywhere, if that makes sense. Sure it is. And you're talking about self-awareness and self-understanding. Sure. Your, your divinity, your consciousness. Mm-hmm. Poof, poof, right there. Your consciousness. Consciousness. I suggest human consciousness is the most powerful substance on the planet, and you are it now, and I am it now, and the listeners are it now. What Mm -hmm. the hell? How do we get a fulcrum on that? How do we put a leverage to that to, to bring about change? You know, there's a human being walking around on this planet that intends to colonize Mars. Right. Talk about a single point of presence, a single thread of human consciousness bringing into form a vision of humanity that even governments wouldn't touch. Mm -hmm. And every Mm -hmm. single one of us has that potential if we learned how to capture it, honor it, and fulfill it. That's true. Very true. But the interesting part of the spectrum is you have someone thinking about how are we going to go to Mars, and then you do have somewhere in that spectrum – where am I going to get my meal for the day? You bet. That's all I care about. Yep. So billions of prayers have been prayed for the end of suffering on the planet. Mm-hmm. 
every single time a human being has found inspiration from within their soul, Moses, I think, is a real good example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Moses is like, you know, what the hell, God? Uh, <laughs> um, show me a sign of how I can help humanity. And I've, I've prayed this many times. Show me a vision of how I can be a, a, a bigger portal of unconditional love for humanity. And prayers come as visions. The answers mm-hmm. to prayers is not the erasing of the lesson, but it, it comes as a, a snapshot, a vision of what could happen if the human being chooses. So all of our listeners have a soul who chose a life path for themselves. And to be authentic, it's like if 7 billion people had the vision to colonize Mars, yeah. uh, 6.9999999 billion of them would be inauthentic. Right. Your soul mm-hmm. had a vision for your life. And and in Forgiven Sinner I talk about every single one of us has this life purpose. And yet if we can show up for it in a little uh, weemy little piss ass way or we can show up in a very very powerful way, the life purpose doesn't change. But if you if you discover your life purpose and then you learn how to to honor that life purpose in a powerful way, then you will feel fulfilled. You'll feel satisfied. You'll feel um, this this bliss of being the vehicle of the answer of the prayer. You'll be the vehicle of unconditional love in the karmic storm of human suffering. How powerful is that? Wow. So true. That's very, very true. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Les Jensen. He is the founder of New Human Living, host of the New Human Living radio show, speaker, energy master, visionary, and the author of the critically acclaimed Citizen King, The New Age of Power. Les and I are having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, spiritual mission, and his latest book, Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Last in your book, you talk about purity, and you mentioned it several times up to this point. What does purity have to do with our salvation? Well, just as I had accumulated so much anger, and it was shutting mm-hmm. my body down, and my ego was really quite scared to death of anger, even though I didn't know that my ego was really quite scared to death of anger. Um, there were so many choices in front of me that I would not choose automatically. I would not choose anything that might that might solicit an emotional response of anger. And yet I've shared with you the episode of where I released an immense amount of anger. Well, my choices opened up. The... Mm-hmm. Um, I had attracted to me an angry boss. Through the law of attraction, all that unresolved anger brought to me an angry boss. And the more I purified my energy, the the less energetically connected I was to the, the these karmic teachers because I was learning the lesson. The, we could talk about the quantum field and mm-hmm. how it is a mirror. 
but it's an energetic mirror. In other words, if I have a lot of unresolved energy in my subconscious, there's a whole realm of manifestation that comes off the table because the mirror will in every single moment reflect back to me my subconscious impurity, if you will. Jesus Mm -hmm. took his buddies off to the side and said, here, hold my beer, and turned himself into pure light. Wow, purity. Mm -hmm. And so the quantum field had no subconscious stature or posture. He was pure, so he could conjure up an image of a basket full of fish, and there was no thought contrary, so the quantum field had no choice but to deliver a basket of fish. So purity is the vehicle of power when it comes to human consciousness and the ability to receive a very high vibration answer to a prayer and and to project a very high vibration into form as far as a vehicle of love to serve humanity, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that you talk about in the book, which is quite interesting, because inevitably we do need the game-changing events in our lives, at least for the last several thousand years or so. From Moses to Jesus to Gandhi, all these people played a certain role, I guess, in civilization. How does that play out into our world today? Well, in my opinion, it primes the pump. Because these are flesh and bones personas. Every single one of them has flesh and bones. Hey, uh, listener, do you have flesh and bones? Woohoo! <laughs> our body is our ticket to be a powerful player, if you will, in sculpting the future of humanity. You have to have a physical body. Archangels, deities, gods, goddesses are all hands off. Very, very powerful personas, but it's right. a it's a hands off stature. So your ego can look at Gandhi and Moses and Jesus and say, Well, wait a minute, these are divine personifications just like you and me and the listener is. Mm-hmm. They chose to show up in a powerful way. That that gives me a template, a guide of how I can show up in my powerful way and fulfill my own life purpose in a in a authentic and genuine way. So our mythology has these snapshots of what's possible in a single human being. I see I have a vision of legions of saviors, of mystics, of alchemists, thousands and thousands that awaken to this inherent divine potential within their persona and they say, you know, I'm a little bit scared to death, but what the hell? I'm in. I want to mm-hmm. I want to fulfill my life purpose in every way possible. Show me a vision of what I can do and I'm on it. What's interesting though when you talk about sciences, when you look at Thomas Edison and those inventors here in the United States, whatever they were working in their time, someone else was also working with the same thing elsewhere on earth. Sure. And so it's interesting because you talk about alignment in your book and that's what it is. Each individual, when they go inward to find the authentic self, that's plenty to look at. And collectively, especially nowadays, when we talk about the Nobel Peace Prize, and you notice that very rare does one person wins it all. Right. It's a collected effort. So-and-so sure. from California, 
and so-and-so from England or so-and-so from France. That's the fascinating part. How does these people do the same thing for a common good? Well, consciousness is holographic. In other mm-hmm. words, when there's a desire in, in, on this planet, there's an immense, there's a very powerful desire by the collective consciousness for a more authentic truth, for a more um, believable timeline, a more authentic timeline for our human story, our human paradigm. So the desire is very prominent and powerful. People have been praying for this for a very long time. And as such, in the field of human consciousness is every answer we ever wanted. And so the the desire to fulfill, when when you open up your consciousness and say what's possible, we're literally looking at the same hologram. In other mm-hmm. words, you talk about people all over the planet coming into the same discoveries at more or less right. the same time. When you as a point of presence of consciousness, desire to be the vehicle for change, those opportunities are available to everyone. But it's only going to be the powerful souls that fully engage the process. People, like, I I suspect people are getting very big visions from their heart and their soul about what's possible for them. Very big visions about their own life path. And their ego says, what the hell, that can't, that's... That message can't be for me. I'm a small-town kid from Utah. Who am I to Mm -hmm. rattle the cage? Who am I to point a finger towards the truth? Who am I to language the power of of our our own human potential? so, So to be able to understand that when your heart and your soul show you a vision... They've already pre-vetted it. You don't have to do no figuring out at all. The heart and the soul are much wiser than your ego. A lot of times what will happen is um, you'll get an inspiration from your heart. Um, Why don't you write that book? Single Mm -hmm. sentence. Why don't you write that book? And the very next sentence you draw it up into your ego and bitch slap it into oblivion. (laughs) Ah, Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. You suck at grammar. Who's going to read your book? And your ego Mm -hmm. um, really trashes very powerful insights from your own psyche. So it takes discipline. All my material is about how to make you a better vehicle for your own divine potential, if that makes sense. Definitely. My progressive mom used to tell me, think about it this way. We are like antennas. The information is out there. Are we having our receiver tune in at the right frequency to listen? Sure. Now yep. you're tuning in to get the data. That's where yep. we're at right now. Yep. And your purity will decide what caliber, at what level you'll receive inspiration. The purer you are, the higher calibration um, vision you'll have. That's true. How do we find the path to discovering our own salvation? Um. It can happen in in a flash. Um, the essence of your consciousness is impervious to our human condition. In other words, the continuity of your consciousness is assured. The essence of you is safe. When you were born, you didn't have an ego. It's your ego that's afraid of death. But your ego is 
is a temporal story that you've built over this lifetime. The idea that salvation, like somehow or another, your the continuity of your consciousness is is volatile, is baloney. Nature is is at ease with itself. It trusts the continuity of life, but our our human egos, our human um, um, nervousness, anxiety is we're mm-hmm. fretting over our sheer existence, and that's absolute. That, you can't. Your ego can't do anything to touch your consciousness. You can go jump off a cliff, and sure, your body will will recycle, but your soul continues on. Your ego will will sign out of this planet, but your consciousness continues on. The idea of salvation, like somehow or another in the future, some divine tart's going to check a column, and then and then then. The continuity of your consciousness is as short as is malarkey. I mean, the, there was a lot of value in disconnecting you from the truth of who you are, because then they could peddle you this this placebo called salvation, mm-hmm. like you needed it in some way, shape, or form. Basically, in a nutshell, in some ways, it is the journey that you experience rather than a destination. Sure, and it's it's a never-ending story. Mm-hmm. Um, the mm-hmm. evolution of consciousness just lay on lay on your back and look up at the night sky and see the billions of replicated solar systems and imagine the trillions of personas of divinity. Um, consciousness expands. The universe is expanding. Nothing is. Um, is collapsing unless we apply our egos to mm-hmm. it without mm-hmm. measure. <laughs> <laughs> so true. What advice do you have for skeptics? Believe whatever you want. <laughs> have dominion over what you believe. Own your life. It it won't be until you discover it for yourself, and and that'll come through its own trajectory. I'm not here to tell anybody the vector of their life. Mm-hmm. I, I totally understand the idea of staring at atoms all day long and going, where the hell is this divinity crap you're talking about? All I see is atoms. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I get mm-hmm. that. But I like the idea of electricity because how many eons of time was electricity? See, electricity wasn't invented. It was discovered. Mm-hmm, we were swimming mm-hmm. in a sea of electricity forever until somebody came along and said, holy crap, did you see that? Did you see that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so try to explain electricity to somebody a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So skeptic, I would say to you, yes, be skeptical, because you have to own every one of your thoughts. Be skeptical. But if you're not willing to look with uh, just a semblance of an open mind, you'll probably never, ever discover it in this lifetime. And so be it. You have free will. You have free will as consciousness, so play the game any way you want. I agree with that. I think it's okay to be a skeptic. However, let your curiosity lead the way. Give it a chance. (laughs) (laughs) You want to find out. And then make an informed decision. But, yeah, if you take it on somebody else's measure, then it's really not your belief. Mm-hmm. You're just pedal- you're just 
uh, occupying somebody else's belief system. It's got to be a personal experience. Right, right, right. You can't hitch a ride on someone else. That's for sure. Well, you can, but it's wasted time. <laughs> right, right. So true. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Well, thank you. Um, newhumanliving.com. Um, there's links for my books there. You can buy my books wherever they're sold. Uh, we've talked about Forgiven Sinner. Citizen mm-hmm. King, The Last Age... Uh, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, talks about teaching your ego how to honor your divinity. And Personal Power Fundamentals teaches you how to purify your personal energy persona. So newhumanliving.com is a great landing place to connect with my material. And then lesjensen.com kind of gives you a background to who I am and where my story's coming from and where the hell did I come up with my Kool-Aid <laughs> so you can... So you can make a more intuitive decision if I'm if I'm authentic and my and my words have meaning to you. So hopefully that gives you a snapshot. And then the new Human Living Radio Show. I've interviewed hundreds of people regarding the the nature of human consciousness. And and at newhumanliving.com under the radio tab, you'll you can see hundreds of interviews of people that are shaping the the future of our human condition. Wonderful. we got to get back to the situation at hand here. Thanksgiving is like a couple of days away, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> what are you grateful for this year? Oh, my God. I'm grateful that I'm alive. I'm grateful I'm, I, I have awakened during this chapter this time in our human story is like no other lifetime. And I'm so happy that I've awakened to my life purpose and then I've I've gotten over my um, anxiety and engaged it. I'm so blessed to be who I am and do the things that I do. I'm very grateful for that. What are you grateful uh, for? I'm going to be eating some dark meat. just kidding there's a whole lease and slew of things that i'm so (laughs) grateful for let me put this way let me back up the trolley here i'm grateful that you actually ask me what i'm grateful for and i appreciate that very much so since our show is about people family and living life would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning sure relax Relax. You're going to make it. You're going to survive. Relax. The continuity of your persona will will traverse every single struggle that comes your way. And uh, forgive yourself. Love yourself. Learn how to enjoy this day. What do you enjoy about this day? As you learn to enjoy today, you'll you'll be in fine form to enjoy tomorrow and. Keep it up, and you'll enjoy your entire life. So true. What are your plans for 2019? To be a, a bigger vessel of unconditional love for humanity. I'll probably write uh, another book. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Uh, I I don't I don't hold a rigid uh, future. I let my soul kind of hold the plans. 
Mm-hmm. And I just follow the impulse um, from day in and day out. I normally don't get inspiration much more than about a week out. So I'm sure my soul's conjuring up all kinds of <laughs> <laughs> mischief and <laughs> so, um, to follow my heart and my soul and see where it takes me. Beautiful. Just beautiful. Let's. Thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, November 27. My guest will be Chef Rossi. She is the catering director, owner, and executive chef of The Raging Skillet in New York City. Her company is in the Hall of Fame for winning the Knox Best of Weddings Catering Award for the last five years in a row. Chef Rosie and I will be having a conversation about her life's journey and her recently released memoir, The Raging Skillet, the true life story of Chef Rosie with recipes, as well as what's cooking in America's kitchen this holiday season. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Les, it has been a true pleasure, sir. A very happy Thanksgiving to you and your family and loved ones. Thank you again, and have a blessed day. Thank you for having me on the show, and and blessings to you and yours. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Want to get a jump on Target's Black Friday deals? Get early access to select online deals on November 21st with your credit or debit red card or as a Target Red member. So seize the savings, then tackle that turkey. Learn more at Target.com slash red or click the banner. Want to get a jump on Target's Black Friday deals? Get early access to select online deals on November 21st with your credit or debit red card or as a Target Red member. So seize the savings, then tackle that turkey. Learn more at Target.com slash red or click the banner.